Good morning. So we start a brand new series today called Family Values. And I need you to understand that just because we talked about the marriage retreat for 45 minutes, <laughs> conference, weekend, marriage weekend, whatever we're calling it, team us, I, I want you to not hear marriage when I say family. Because this series is not just for those of you in the room that are married. This series is for those of you that are in a family. And so who is that? Everybody, right? But I, I, I do need to share something with you that, that God dropped in my heart about husbands. There is a vacuum in our society, in our culture, for godly, Christian, committed husbands, men. And so I, I've been in, in church work for a long time, and, and I'm just going to tell you what typically happens in a typical Christian. All right, I don't, I don't know what an average Christian looks like, but the average Christian family, here's what happens. Mom leads the way when it comes to things of a spiritual nature. With every ounce of passion that I have in me, that needs to change. We need men to rise up and become spiritual leaders in their home and in their churches as never before. And so, yes, I'm talking to you guys. Before I read this text, I want you to read it in, as, as, along with me. You can read it out loud. I don't care. But I want you to read it in your soul. And I want you to adopt it as a mantra for you and your family. Here it is. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you'll serve. And here's the part I want you to just latch on to, men. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. You're not going to hear anything today that you haven't heard before from Dwayne. Um, no, no brand new deep revelation what you're going to hear today are some truths that if you've been hanging around here very long you've heard before truth of the matter our, our families are in trouble not just I'm, I'm talking globally especially in western north america and we're not doing a whole lot better in the church than everywhere else and that's just, that's why we're having this series this, this year. That's why we're, we, we all but begged you to make sure that you're part of this marriage conference in, in a few weeks. If you're taking notes, write this down. Every family needs a renovation of values. Because we are all works in progress. I don't care if you've been married 10 minutes or 10 decades. 
we're all work, works in progress. I don't care if, if you're single, single again, never want to be married again, never want to, you know, I don't care where you're at in that dynamic. All of us are works in progress. <laughs> I've joked over and over again about my wife's obsession with home renovation shows. And, and here's the truth. You know, I kid about how she loves it. I hate it. I don't really hate them. Uh, but I do have to be very careful and watch them out of one eye. Because if I get too excited about it, we'll be on, on the way to Home Depot. <laughs> with a list. And if Donna makes a list, somebody's going to work. Just how that works at my house, y'all. But I've watched enough, and I've, we've done some home renovation in our own home this year, uh, over the last couple years. And here's what I've learned. It's always more complex than you thought. It's always painful. Guys that have done your own home improvement stuff, you could, you could walk to the stud where you were bleeding. It always costs more than you think it's going to cost. It always takes more time than you think it's going to take. And you'll never get it done by yourself. I have yet to do a home improvement project without picking up the phone and calling Tim Johnson. <laughs> that is the goal that I have in my life is to not have to call Tim. We all need renovation. I care how strong your family is. If, if you rest on that, you'll be in trouble. If you rest on the strength of your family, you'll be in trouble. If we're not in, in, intentionally moving forward, closer to Christ, in pursuit of who He is for our family, then, then, then we're in trouble. Because we, we've all got imperfections. I tried to find a perfect family in the Bible. There wasn't one. There wasn't one. Look at, look at Adam's family. Um, Adam's family began with him blaming his wife for his sin. We're still doing that, by the way. And ended with one brother killing another brother. That's pretty dysfunctional, wouldn't you say? Abraham's family. Look at this. Abraham is the father of the three largest religions in the world and was jacked up. Lied about his, lied about his sister who was his wife, called her his sister. Right? Took God's plan into his own hands and, and fathered a child out of wedlock. You know, Sarah said, why don't you have a, have a baby with Hagar? And he was like, okay. <laughs> Didn't have to twist his arm. And then there's this whole ordeal. Now think about this. I love this story of Abraham taking his son and being willing and obedient to sacrifice his son. We, we love that story that God provided a ram out of the thicket and we have sung songs and preached sermons. But here's what I want you to think about. Think about his son the next week. What kind of neurosis is this kid dealt with the rest of his life? Every time somebody is rattling a knife in the kitchen, he's like, what's going on? <laughs> Lots... Uh, Lot was Abraham's nephew. Now, now look at what Abraham's nephew did. Uh, he offered his daughter to rapists. And if that's not enough, throw in a little incest. 
Isaac's family. Isaac loved Esau more than Jacob. His wife, Rebecca, loved Jacob more than Esau. Already a busted family, right? Right? So they, they get deceitful, steal a birthright. You know, that's more dysfunctional than, you know, the, the house divided between the Bulldogs and Georgia Tech. We win, though. Jacob's family. Jacob had 13 children, 12 sons, a daughter, by four different women. He favored one of those children above all the others. And, and listen, that caused a problem. Wound up, you know, it, Joseph got sold into slavery. Now, God turned it, what the enemy meant for evil, to good, but he was broken. King David, a man after God's own heart, mighty warrior, not a great husband. He had eight different wives. He married one of them twice. That's like, let's, this milk in my refrigerator is rotten. I'll, I'll put it back in the refrigerator, see if it gets fresh again. That doesn't work that way. He had eight different wives, 13 children. One of his children hated him. There is no such thing as a perfect family. Look at Mary and Joseph, by the way. Now, we see it in the rearview mirror, and we see the, the birth of the Messiah, right? What did the culture see? A pregnant woman out of wedlock. Imagine all the having to dodge those accusations for the rest of your life. All of us are in process. Even the folks we read about in the Bible had their own set of issues and brokenness. So, so listen... Don't, don't discount your brokenness because it's in our brokenness that, that that's the place where God sometimes does his best work. Write this down. Our brokenness gives God an opportunity to extend his grace. Andre Crouch wrote these line, this line, if I never had a problem, how would I know that God could solve them? <laughs> Paul had a thorn in his side. And we don't know what that thorn was. It, it could have been a physical ailment. It could, have been, it could have been lust. It could have been, some people think it was an eyesight problem. We don't know, and I'm glad we don't know, because now, now you don't have to name your thorn in the side. You know what it is, right? You, you know what you, that thing that you struggle with. You know what that problem is. And, and Paul begged God to take it away. And God said, no. Here's how he answered. Here, here's how God answered the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What Paul is saying, in my weakest moments, God proves himself to be strong and gracious and faithful. Yes. So I, what I want to submit to you today is that in your weakest moments, in your family's weakest moments, what an opportunity for God to prove himself faithful. And he will, if we'll get out of the way. So the first value we're going to talk about during this series is, it's, 
we have to start here. And it's going to sound a lot like the sermons we preached in January. But I, I can't get past, if we're going to talk about families, the very first value must be the foundation of our homes. If you were to buy a, a, a home and you find a, a, pl- a plumbing issue, you know what, that's not a deal breaker, is it? You can get that fixed, right? You find an electrical issue. You can get that fixed. You see a wall that needs painting and spackling. You can, get, you, you, you can get behind that. It's not a deal breaker. If there's a big, huge crack in your foundation, that's a problem. And so here's what I don't want us to be as, as families and as a church. I don't want our walls to look nice and clean. I don't want our plumbing to run smooth. I don't want our electrical circuits to be just fine. And we have a big huge gaping crack in our foundation and listen it all starts in our families because every family has a foundation foundation issues can't be put off now now if you don't want to paint that wall right away not a big deal right you hang a picture over it right if you got foundation issues you got to you got to give that attention today and listen, we, we get that. Foundations get overlooked. Nobody, some of y'all are going to come to the house tonight to watch the Super Bowl. Nobody's going to walk in the house and go, man, this house has a great foundation. <laughs> you're going to walk in my man cave and you're going to see a lot of bulldogs. And you're like, that's cool. Woo woo. But, but listen, um, we've gotten really good at Building our homes on the wrong foundations. Maybe the the foundation is the family business. Hey, that's awesome. You need to, you you need to, if if your family has a business, you need to work hard at it, but you can't build your life on it. A lot of people build their their house on the foundation of money. And, And you know what? Listen, it's, it's cool to be able to pay your bills and good to be able to have nice things and save for your future. All those things are good. It's good to get out of debt. Can't build your life on the almighty dollar. Can't build your home on the almighty dollar. You can't build your home on the American dream. We're going we're gonna to buy the, our dream home, our forever home is what they say on HGTV. Is, is that a great goal? Absolutely. You going to build your life on that? Families all across our country uh, build their, their entire existence on the idea, if I can just get to the weekend and we can get to the lake, or if I can just get to the weekend and we can get to the golf course, or I can just get to the weekend so we can get to Sanford Stadium, watch the Bulldogs play. Now, all those things are great, but you build your life on it, it will crash. If you build your life on your children, do you know that there's, there's an epidemic of divorce in this country right now to folks that are recently empty nesters? They have a name for it. It's called the 25-year itch, and it's sad. That we've spent a quarter century raising our children, and now I live in a home that I, somebody I don't know. 
listen, should you make your children a priority? Of course. Can you build your entire existence, build your home on just your relationship with your children? People do it all the time, and I'm going to tell you, listen to me, I've seen it, and I've, it will fall. I, did, I, just, I just want my kid to play college ball, so I'm going to forsake everything else so your kid can play college ball, so one day he can get drafted. He's not going to get drafted. L- look at me. He's not that good. I, I, I coached baseball Matt's whole life, and Matt was an excellent ball player. And unless I know something different, he doesn't hang out at Truist Park on... Oh, it, <laughs> can't build your life on that some of you some of you some of us have built our life just to survive if i can just make it through another day if i can just have 10 minutes peace that's that's the hope i'm building my life on our home on unfortunately all across our nation all across this this part of the world Families are built on addiction. And here's what happens. Everything revolves around that addiction. The money, the bills that don't get paid, the family time that that gets robbed, it's all on that. And and listen, and some of you guys know this well, that'll crash. (laughs) Some people have built their homes on religion look at me it's not enough it's not enough to just well i'm gonna make sure the kids go to kids church gonna do what Dwayne said make sure to get checked in next week go through the motions put on the mask it will crash the strength of the foundation write this down will determine the strength of your family. And this is true for all families. I don't care if you're married, divorced, single, uh, single again, wherever you fall on that dynamic, the strength of your foundation in your home will determine the strength of your family. Because building a house on an unstable foundation is very, very dangerous. And here's why. If, if we build a house, a, a, a literal house, on a shaky foundation and build it next door to another house that's got a good foundation, those two houses will look identical for a while. It may take years for the flaw in your foundation to reveal itself. And do you know when it usually happens? In a storm. Several years ago, I I came across this incredible study. It was from the Institute for uh, Insurance for Businesses and Homes, and it was it's a it's a it's a group that that determines how we can more safely build businesses and homes, the brick and mortar part. And they did a study where they they go inside this wind tunnel and they build two identical. 1,300 square foot houses. 
two identical 1300 square foot houses to the exact same standards except for one one house was built to the very basic construction standards they it met all of the local codes but it was just to that standard does that make sense and then the second house was built with what they called a fortified foundation. And what they basically did was strap the house to the foundation. And they said, let's see what happens when we put 110 mile an hour winds on these two houses. The house you're going to see on the left was built to proper construction standards. The house on the right had a fortified foundation. And look at, look at what happened. Which house do you want to live in? I, I want to live in a house that's got a good foundation. The interesting thing about that video, they didn't, I didn't have the whole, the whole video, but they, they let that house stand for three minutes at 110 miles an hour. After three minutes of constant 110 miles an hour, the house that had the fortified foundation had only cosmetic damage you can imagine what the other house looked like it was a pile of rubble your foundation is critical and as important as it is to build your house on a firm foundation it's much more critical that you build your home on a firm foundation there's a difference isn't there so there lies the problem. How do we make sure that our home is built on the right foundation? Donna said it. There's, there's only one. There's only one foundation that will weather the storms of this life. There's only one foundation that is tried and safe and secure. The only foundation secure enough to build on is faith. Specifically faith on the rock of Christ Jesus, a home built on any other foundation is unstable at best. First yeah. hmm. Corinthians says, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Hmm. Proverbs chapter 10 says, when the storms of life come, you know, you know what the most powerful word there? When. Not if the storms of life come. But when. And, and listen, I don't like, I, I don't like thinking about those. I don't like thinking about those storms. You've had them and so have I. When I had to, to go home and tell my wife that her mom had been diagnosed with cancer, that was a storm. To watch her go through that horrendous treatment and finally take her life was a storm, a huge one. We lost two children to miscarriage. Can't think of a greater... I, I, don't, I don't have the right words. 
huge storm. <laughs> Biggest storm of our life. My sister calls and says, I, the paramedics are on the way. Dad's not breathing. I want you to hear me and hear me well. I'm not telling you this because I read it in a theo theology book. I'm telling you this because this is what we build our life on. When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When darkness hides His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm not telling you that your children, your grandchildren, your family business, your recreation time. I'm not telling you that those things aren't important because they are. I am telling you that all the other parts in your life can only be strong if you build them on the right foundation, the rock who is Christ Jesus. I promise you before the end of this year, you're going to be sick of seeing this next image. But I want you to get it. I want you to get this so bad. Jesus will not resign himself to your checklist. He must be the foundation of every part of your life. I'm going to tell you where this came from. And I've, I've told you all my stories, so just give me a little grace. But that came from a time in my life where I felt like I was the biggest failure I, that, that any man could be. I had a full-time job. I had a full-time job. I, I had a full-time secular job. I was a full-time worship and youth pastor at a local church. Had a beautiful wife, two incredible young children at the time. Lots of friends. I had a lot of different roles, and I felt like I was a miserable failure at all of them. Anybody ever felt that, by the way? Like, I'm spinning all these plates, and one of them's got to drop. And I pulled over at Crow's Grocery, bawling like a child, because I, I said, God, you've got to help me. I can't, keep, I can't live like this. And over a, a period of weeks and months and years even, that image became real in my life. He said, Dwayne, you, you, you've tried this. Anybody done seven habits of highly effective people? Stephen Covey? I, man, I was a, I was a disciple. Listen to me. It's great. <laughs> Didn't work. Because once I checked my list off, I'd, I read my Bible and prayed. Check. Done. Let's go on to the next thing. And Dwayne said, that's why, and God said, Dwayne, that's why you're miserable. I'm, I'm not going to be an item on your list. I'm going to be the hub of your wheel. And every part of your life has got to be attached to that hub. Here's why. Because a faith foundation will weather the storms of life. Jesus said it this way. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rains came 
in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But, but listen, but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand and the rains and floods came and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I'll never forget standing in New Orleans after Katrina and watching and, and standing in front of these two, these, these two foundations. One, one home was just was pretty beaten up. And another home was literally picked up off its foundation and moved intact 100 feet away from its foundation. See, that's what a storm can do. What a storm can do is shatter every part of our life if we don't have the foundation of Christ Jesus. I, I, just, I found it interesting because there, one house stood standing and one house has moved 100 feet. What's the difference? Same storm, same wind, same rain. But one house stood and one didn't. One house had a better foundation. One house was built securely on its foundation. So I'm not telling you that storms won't come. I'm not going to be that preacher that says, you drop a little extra money in the tithe bucket and you'll be all right. I mean, don't let that stop you. <laughs> Maybe you're here. And you say, I did that. I did that with my kids. I did that with my spouse. And they're gone. I, I love the story of the prodigal son. Because we've all been prodigals. Okay, maybe you haven't. I have. The, the, the most beautiful part of that story, y'all. The most beautiful part of that story is not that the son woke up in a pig pen. The most beautiful part of that story is the Bible says he came to his senses. It's, it's in John 15, I think, if you want to read it for yourself. Bible says he came to his senses and made a choice to go home. How do you know where to go home? See, maybe you're here and you've got a prodigal in your family. You know what a faith foundation will do? It'll give the prodigal a place to come home to. Let's do this. Maybe you're in the room and, and you've got a prodigal child, a, a prodigal aunt, uncle, cousin, spouse. Well, any, anybody believe that passage that says the effective fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much? Father, in Jesus' name. Would you do what only you can do? Bring home prodigal. Wrap your arms of love and, correct, and compassion around them and bring them home. As only you can. In Jesus' name. Amen. Write this down. 
A faith foundation will be a constant reminder that God has a plan. When, those, when we lost those babies, I knew God had a plan. I didn't see it. I didn't know it. And frankly, in that moment, it didn't bring a lot of comfort. But I can look back in the rearview mirror now and know, God, you knew. I, I, I don't know what it, what it was all for, but I'm confident when I look at my family today that you had a plan. You knew what you were doing. And listen, so, so now I am going to talk to married couples for a minute. You've heard the divorce statistics. Half of every marriage ends in divorce. You've heard that. And I don't know how ac accurate those statistics are, but let's say it's four out of ten. It's still, wow. So I think we're asking the wrong question. Not just, did you stay married? I kidded them at the marriage conference because he introduced uh, us as, you know, we're celebrating 37 years. And I said, you know, we've been married. Uh, we, we've had 35 wonderful years of, of marriage, 37 total. <laughs> there were a couple that were a little rocky. So, listen, the goal is not just to stay married. One study said, wanted, wanted to determine how many marriage fell into the happy, healthy category. Their number was less than one-third. The goal isn't just to stay married. The goal is abundant life, and that's what Jesus came to give. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. See, I, I, I don't want you to be able to brag about how long you've been married. I want you to be able to brag. We had a plan we built on a foundation god had a plan for us and we've had abundant life in christ i want you to fall into that happy healthy category and listen you can if you have the right foundation <laughs> for i know the plans i have for you declares the lord plans to prosper you not to harm you to give you hope in a future Every family in this room's got your own stuff. And here's what I know. Some of you have very... What's the right word? I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to insult you by, by telling you that, well, that problem's not that big a deal because it's a big deal to you. And, it, and maybe it is you just can't get, you know, your husband to pick his socks up and throw them in the, in the hamper. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'll, I'll throw it at it. <laughs> or maybe you, you, you're in a room and you're dealing with much heavier things. Or maybe somewhere on the spectrum. Maybe you're dealing with something that's so heavy, you're like, Dwayne, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to make it. You know, it goes much bigger than not throwing your socks in the hamper. Every preacher says this, and I hate it, but I'm saying it now. If you hadn't heard anything I've said, please hear this. Regardless of the intensity of your particular situation, it doesn't extend beyond the reach of God's plan and provision. You can't run far enough. You can't sin bad enough to outrun the grace of God. 
your stupidity is just not that stupid. <laughs> your, it's, it's just not enough to outrun the grace of God. And you're like, well, Dwayne, I, I, and I, golly, I can hear y'all in, in my head, and it, I wish you'd get out of there. Because here's, Dwayne, I, I wish we'd have done this 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I wish we'd have done this from the beginning, but it's too late. No, it's not. Don't you dare look in the face of God and say, this one's too big for you. My marriage is too far gone. My children are too far gone. My grandchildren are too far gone. Our foundation has too big of a crack in it. Don't you dare. It's never too late to build a faith foundation. So I want to leave you. Donna, come on up real quick. I want to leave you with just these very quick four thoughts. What I want you to do in this room right now. I want you to search your heart and check your foundation. If, if, you're, if the foundation of your home, the foundation of your family, the foundation of your marriage is built on anything else than Christ Jesus, then you've got to make him the hub of your will today. And maybe you say, Dwayne, we've done that, but things have gotten a little, a little rocky. You're going to check your foundation, then you're just going to secure it. In other words, you're going to lock arms with your spouse, you're going to lock arms with your children, you're going to lock arms by yourself if you're single. Say, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I've let a couple of spokes come off the hub of the wheel. Well, we're fixing that today. And maybe you say, Dwayne, you know what? We're, we are good. We've got our stuff together. Well, I wish you'd come up here and preach. But if that's you, then you're going to do what it takes to maintain that. You're going to check it. You're going to secure it. You're going to maintain it. And lastly, everybody in the room, we're going to build on that foundation. That song she's saying, I will build my life on your love, Lord Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads. And, and listen, I, I, I know we're, we're right at time where I normally let you go, but we're going to do this. See, in, in a minute, I'm going to challenge you that if, that if you've got stuff in your family that you need God to do, I'm going to challenge you to come and stand across the front of this altar. And, and I get it, and some of you are going to go, I can't do that. Some of you will, and you're like, I'm desperate. I, I, I want God to do a work in my family. I, I, I'm challenging you. Some of you are going to say, I just can't walk up there. I, I wish you would... I'd wish you consider how important this is. So everybody in the room, why don't you stand to your feet? You say, Dwayne, I need God to do something in my family today. Single, married, married again, I don't know, single again. I, there's a thousand different dynamics, but I need God to do something in my family. I want you to get out of your seat and make your way this way. And listen, I need you to not think about it. I need you to just move and move quickly. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> now, having said all that, I, I want you to know that God's power doesn't stop at that first row. If you couldn't make your way up here, I've been there. I get it. But I want you to know, if you call on the name of God, the name of His Son, Jesus, He can do what, what does Ephesians say? Exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or even think. Dwayne, I can't imagine things getting better. Jesus can. And His imagination is much bigger than yours. So here's the deal. We're, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for each, each of these folks that are here. I'm going to pray for you that are in the, in, the, in the room and those of you that are watching online. And listen, I just believe that God is big enough to heal the broken, that His grace is powerful enough to reach the brokenness in all of our lives. Father, in Jesus' name, Thank you that we have a foundation that we can build our lives on in the rock of Christ Jesus. So God, if, if we have built our, our homes on anything else, we ask that you forgive us right now. And from this day forward, we'll do all we can to build our lives on the rock of Christ. And when we fail, God, draw us back to this moment. We've made a commitment to build our lives, our homes, our families on the rock that is Christ Jesus. God, I sense your presence here. Father, and these that are here, these are around this altar, those that are still standing in the room, those that are watching online. God, I don't, I don't know their, I don't, I don't know what's going on in their homes. I don't know, I don't know what it is that you need to do in their, in their families. But I know that there is not one, there, there's not one, uh, there's not one foundation crack represented in this room that you can't fill with your grace and goodness. There's not one prodigal you can't bring home. And so today, God, we. Lean on the power of Christ and His Holy Spirit. And we trust you that if we'll build our lives on the foundation, if we'll make you the hub of our wheel, you'll work all things out together for good to those that love the Lord, called according to His purpose. And we worship you, Jesus. Donna, just sing that to us, I'll build my life. I, I, I want us to wants to sing this, not necessarily just to sing along, but as a declaration of intent to move forward with our lives built on the rock of Christ Jesus. Yes.
more time. cannot fix what we can't God I sense you are working in this in this room I sense you're doing a great work today God so we just uh, God we, we just declare the goodness of God over our lives and over our families the grace of the Lord Jesus over our lives and over our families the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our families. You are able, O oh God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You're bigger than any problem we'll ever face. You're bigger than any issue that we're dealing with. You're bigger than any brokenness. Thank you, Lord. I want these to pray as long as they want to, but I want you to hear this last passage of Scripture, y'all. I want this to be the exclamation point for today's message. I want you to listen. It's Isaiah 28. It says, Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem. You know what His name is? His name is Jesus, by the way. A firm and tested stone. It's a precious cornerstone. This is the part I want you to get. That is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Listen, you build your life on the foundation of Christ and hell itself can't shake it. Hell itself. It's not too late. We start today. From this day forward, our lives are built on the rock of Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 You ought to give the Lord praise. Yes. Of worship to thank God for who He is and what He's doing. I'll not be shaken. <laughs> 